When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a view from the Bullins podcast. Listen to all the latest news and inside track from Goodison Park. Gomez is first on to Manny. Wobie's through if you can find him, but looks the other way. It's Gray. Damari Gray! Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another episode from A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley and Matt Neal. Lee, Everton 2, Arsenal 1, a much needed win for the boys in blue. You've had a night to sleep on it. I'm sure you were jubilant. What are your thoughts? Oh, it was, what a night. 
Nick. Um, you know, it, it just felt like a huge night for obviously a number of reasons. Um, but that result is and it always will be the most important thing. And I just feel I just feel lighter today. Um, you know, after that, it was absolutely crucial. We were all talking about how important a result of sorts was last night, but to come away with the three points, it just felt like a, a typical Everton night. The weather, obviously under the floodlights, you know, there was a bit of a bit of fractious nature, you know, with, within the support and things like that. I just had an idea it was going to turn out the way it did. Um, and when I saw the team sheets as well, I was you know quite pleased with the team. Uh, I thought we had enough to cause them problems and that's what happened. Um, and we saw effort, didn't we? And, you know, really we saw four goals, you know, three of them without question were absolutely fine. One of them, I I still think is ridiculous. So credit to the manager for that, for finding a way to pose more of a threat last night. I thought we created more chances. I don't think anyone can deny that we were the better side and, and worthy of the three points on the night. And there was some standout players there for obviously Richarlison credited, I think mentally more than anything else to not let your head go down when you've had two goals completely taken away from you without any valid reason um, to carry on, you know, and get the goal that gets us back level. Um, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. He was just a menace all night. He didn't stop running, didn't let his head go down. And I just love him when he's like that. It's going to be a sad, sad day when he leaves the football club. Um, I thought Damari Gray, again, he seems to have found that early season form. You know, that's two and two for him now. You know, and what a, what a goal that is. I mean, just, I mean, last minute winners, not, you know, injury time winners, you just can't beat them. You know, they're, they're the moments that you live for as a, as a football fan. In off the post, it always seems to be a bit better as well. And he, he just raised the roof. He was absolutely brilliant. Again, I thought Anthony Gordon, you know, although perhaps again, the end product wasn't there. Um, I thought he worked absolutely tirelessly um, for the team, didn't stop running. And I think final mention has to go to Abdullah Decore. We've mentioned so many times just how important he is to the seventh side and the running he did last night. You know, he's the one who gets us moving with the ball in midfield and without him, we just look a shadow of the side. Um, you know, I thought he was very rusty against Liverpool the other day, but he looked back to near his best yesterday and we just have to keep him fit it's so so important that he, he stays in the side I thought Andre Gomez a lot of people have mentioned that and I think that's absolutely bang on um, did really really well when he came on he added a, an element of composure on the ball you know a real touch of class he was brilliant for the Damari Gray winner um, and we may have stumbled across something there you know if we stick to that three maybe Alan Decore and Gomez um, because I think they've looked good together um, you know, maybe we can persist with that, you know, with the, with the three up front that we saw last night, perhaps in favour of uh, Andros Townsend, who for me looks a little bit jaded than he did again last night. Uh, but, you know, I get can't fault his efforts and application. So it was much, much better. You know, a massive, massive night. It just felt huge. I'm sure we'll come on to everything else later. But I think the last thing I'll say on last night, Mick, is just I just don't understand the, the decision, the VAR, you know, obviously the, the the officials and that system seemed to do all that it could to deny us the, those three points last night. We had to overcome that and we shouldn't have to. You know, it made it clear at the start of the season that the aim wasn't to disallow goals where it's, it's marginal like that. And, you, you know, you've got to draw these lines. And, and that line for the second goal, I mean, I don't know who drew that. You know, a four-year-old in reception class, no idea. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. But for me, there's no way that second one even goes to VAR. 
if that's Mo Salah at Anfield in front of the cop, it just doesn't happen. You know, we, you know the opposition are kicking off. Um, so anyway, we overcome it. We've shown great character and fight, and that's the Everton we all love. Um, and I just hope that can be the platform and the springboard now to kick on for the rest of the season. Ben, many Evertonians were starting to wonder whether the players had maybe phoned it in, down tools on Rafa Benitez, but yesterday proved that they are still fighting and the spirit is still there. Yeah, definitely. Lee's made some really good points there. It's an absolutely massive three points for Everton. It's enormous. I can't explain just how big it is. It's taken a bit a massive, massive amount of pressure away from us now. And we're up to 12 from the Premier League. As Lee quite rightly said, we, we, we started in a... A 4-2-3-1 formation. And when I seen the team, I'm going to disagree with Lee there. I was kind of a bit upset by it. I wasn't, wasn't, didn't think that that system hadn't worked over the past few weeks. And Townsend was playing in the 10. Gray and Gordon were kind of more narrow than what I wanted them to be. And again, Andre Gomez came on back from a, a long spell on the sidelines of an injury. Going to a 4-3-3 formation. I'll get it right on this. I got it wrong on Twitter <laughs> for saying 4-4-3 stupidly. But no, when he came on, it changed the game for me. Um, we had loads more people pressing higher. It gives options for Damari Gray to push up. Anthony Gordon was hugging the touchline. They automatically get further up the field. Alan slots into that sixth position and it worked okay. Decore was up and down. But for me, special mention, I think a player who played unbelievably well, who hasn't had enough credit, is Michael Keane. Now, I've been a big critic of Michael Keane's over the past few months and I thought last night he performed really well his short balls were good his long ball distribution was good to feet he was bringing the ball out from the back he looked composed not threatened and he just seemed to have his level-headed side to him once again so fingers crossed that he's overstepped the hurdle and can really kick on now a bit of form but know that Damari Gray with Charleston they are head and shoulders above anyone else and that Damari Gray has just slotted into this Everton set up exactly how every one of us wanted to. He he gets Everton, he understands it, he presses, he works his backside off. And when he comes up with goals like that in the 92nd minute into the Gladys Street, then what do you expect? There's no wonder to see his top off and it, literally hugging the people in the Bullens Road. So unbelievable three points. Um, it, there's loads and loads to talk about on this podcast. It's going to be a really interesting podcast for everyone, but no, absolutely over the moon. Made up to see certain players back. It's a shame that Yanni Mean has gone off Mick for me. It comes up, brings up that debate again. Do, do, do we sell? Do we buy? Do we look to cash in? He's on a lot of money. He's potentially picked up another injury. There's murmurs of a calf, maybe hamstring injury. So how long's that? He's out for, which is a, a big negative from the night. Thought Jordan Pickford was solid, really good, and I thought Ben Godfrey at left back performed really well. I thought he performed extremely well. He was solid. He wasn't too reliable of winning aerial balls in the air and he just did what he had to do. Um, so, no, absolutely superb performance. Fight, passion, determination, grit, pressing all together as one. And that is the type of performance Goodison can get behind on us Evertonians. Matt, a lot of Evertonians before the game were calling on a 4-3-3 system with maybe Del uh, Delph or Andre Gomez introduced into the team alongside Decore and Allen. So when... Odegaard scored just before the break. Did you sit there and think, you know what, that's where that third centre midfielder would be? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, we've been crying out for it really for for a while now. I think our best sort of performance, or certainly second half performance this season, came against Burnley, and I think that was the sort of the first time he'd introduced a three-man midfield. And what we're able to do then is 
sort of control the game slightly better. And it's actually a term the new Manchester United manager, Ralph Rangnick, used when he came into United. He says, we've got to start controlling games better. And that doesn't necessarily come from possession. Uh, the control comes from the fact that teams, first of all, can't counter-attack you so easily. Um, and I thought that was the major plus, certainly in the second half yesterday. Um, um, you know, too many times this season, and, and not just this season, for a little while now, we've not had the, the midfielders or the structure to be able to control games in a certain manner that allow allow us to use, you know, our, our, our good points. Um, you know, our good points being the Goodison crowd, the Gladys Street second half. You know, the amount of times, certainly last season where you, you're behind in games and Everton just can't get any momentum going, and it's been similar in this run of sort of eight to ten games where we've struggled to pick up any points. Is that control? And Gomez gave us that. Um, it's It's been a shock to us all um, and a, a major gripe of mine that Benitez hasn't decided to change it up. To be fair, I think we obviously we were pushing for the game late on and they had a couple more where Odegaard was just getting off the back of Alan and Decore um, and and probably should have put put one away and that three man midfield is definitely the way forward because Rafa Benitez clearly wants to play on the counter attack and in transition and what the three man midfield allows him to do is it allows him to utilize his, his major threat which is what I've talked about previously in in Decore and Decore on the transition is is probably one of the better midfielders in the league in doing that the way he drives with the ball um, and, and I think Andre Gomez probably, you know, can do that as well. I think he he's slightly different in the fact that he has that technical ability um, compared to the other two. And I think that goal sort of comes from Gomez sort of driving forward. And, and there's a moment where he, he can either put it out to the right or he can put it out to the left. And he just faints at the vital moment, takes Xhaka out the game, and then he's able to release Gray. But there's much more space down the left. The Kure overlaps, takes the fullback out of out of the game, and it allows Gray to then cut in and you know put that fantastic shot into the net. And in a, and in a season where we've lost Dominic Calvert Lewin, the goals and contributions we've got from Damari Gray have have been absolutely vital. Like all wingers. Um, you know, they will go through periods of the season where the, you think, you know, there's three or four games there where I can't remember him doing a thing. But the sign of a really good player and a player that's be, you know, motivated and confident in his game is that he's, he's come back, certainly in the last couple of games, picked up his form again. And he will be vital in Everton trying to recapture some sort of form um, and sort of potency in front of goal in this Christmas period. If he can carry on the level of productivity that we're seeing, then then that will really, really help us. Lee, was the most pleasing thing for you that regardless of the two offside goals, one probably offside and the other one, well, we'll leave that one there. It's <laughs> how, how they've ruled it out, we, we will never know. But given the two offside goals, was was it really pleasing for you that... Everton didn't buckle, they didn't give up and they kept plugging away because in the previous, well, couple of months, 
Everton haven't shown that, have they? They haven't shown that will, that desire and that fight to really push up the pitch and get up the pitch and, and find a winner. So was it really pleasing for you that this Everton team shown that last night? Yeah, it was because we've we've questioned that a lot, like you say, in the last few weeks on the podcasts. You know, character is one of the, the attributes that we've called into question, unfortunately. And then that's really disappointing. But I mean, we can't we can't level that at the team last night. I thought character was there in abundance. And I don't know why that is. I think I spoke to Ben uh, before the game, and I think it's just maybe reached that point last night where everyone realized and it hit home just how much of a predicament we were in and we could have been in if we would have lost that game last night it it was it, it felt as i say as i said earlier it felt massive so I, I don't think that was lost on the players or benitez um so there was definitely a change in approach i thought you know the fact that we were creating chances but as it it, it did take you know a real strong mentality to pick yourself up after those disappointments and and the crowds as well by the way because you know, you, you you never know if you can fully celebrate a goal these days. It's ridiculous. Obviously, VAR is, is sucking the, the joy out of those moments that and they're what you pay your money for. Um so I think the crowd take credit as well for you know carrying on, getting behind the team. I think I think as soon as those stupid, especially the second one, VAR calls go against us, the crowd is still up, you know, and they're still singing and, and you know, Goodison was really raucous last night. And we've we've said time and time again, when it's like that, it's undoubtedly a twelfth man, and it is the hardest stadium to come to as an opposition player, um, and get a result. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, so it felt very different last night than what it did against uh, Liverpool. And you know, I know we're going to speak about this later, but you know, no matter all of the accusations of a divided fan, ba- fan base, Goodison felt potentially more together than ever at times last night. Um, so and that was that was really, really good. And and the players have responded to that. You've seen the you've seen the reactions of them all at the end of the game, you know, you know, giving it large to the fans and staying on the pitch and the interviews after the game. I think they really, really appreciate the support and that's what we need to do. But it is that chicken in the egg debate because you know we saw effort and application and we saw attack and intent and chances and four goals really. And we they gave us something to get behind. So I thought that made it easier for the players to keep keep going, you know, keep pushing for that equaliser and that winner. And in the end, that that's what we got. So as I say, I thought we thoroughly deserved that, not just based on the efforts in the application, but I thought there was a you know a few spots of quality in there as well. You know, the finishes, the goals were were all brilliant. You know, that that Richarlison equaliser, by the way, you know, that is a really, really difficult chance for me. You know, it, it bounces off the crossbar. You don't know where that's going to go. You know, it's a very unpredictable thing to predict where a ball is going to go when it hits the woodwork. You know, when he adjusts and he has to sort of weight that header perfectly over England's number two, by the way, you know, just to make that clear, England's number two. You know, he, he, you know and he, he puts it in from there. That was a really difficult chance, you know, and, you know, a great goal. But yeah, great reaction, you know, for the rest of the season, you know, because you're going to go a goal behind, you know, the Premier League's a difficult league. You know, there's a lot of you know decent sides in there who are more than capable of going going a goal up on you. You've just got to be able to adapt. And Everton did that last night, and we've got to continue to do that for the rest of the season. But it was really pleasing to see. Ben, and another talking point during the game was Ben Godfrey's red card, no red card on Tommy Asu, the Arsenal fullback. How did you see that? VAR deemed it not a red card, or at least not deliberate. 
where he kind of stood on his face as he was landing. How did you see that one? It was a difficult one, wasn't it? Because you can't really get the player's intent in their mind by just watching it and watching a replay. The only man on this planet who knows if it was intentional or not is Ben Godfrey. I think, obviously, I spoke to Jack. Jack Kemp is part of the podcast, and he was adamant that it probably was a red card. I spoke to a few people today that said it wasn't. So it, it's one of them. It's up, for, it's up for the base of interpretation. I think it would have been my personal view, Mick, is it would have been quite harsh. Um, I felt Arsenal kept on going. I know he's been stood on the air, but he went down an awful lot last night, didn't he? And at the end of the day, their time wasting throughout the whole of the second half has cost them massively with three points because they had the six minutes on, the Goodison crowd behind us. It, it literally got the place bouncing because I think obviously you had that the Ben Godfrey incident. You had Gabriel going down towards the Gladys Street. Um, you had a few Arsenal substitutions going down. And all in all, just added up. Um, the time so and it got the Goodison crowd going I think it backfired on Arsenal making in, in all seriousness because when players start going down after separate challenges tackles etc the Goodison crowd get really really up for it for some reason they got everyone going and like Lee said before that's the best atmosphere Goodison has been for over six years for me it was I don't know what started it, but everyone seemed to be bang up for it. And the players, for me, really got on board as well. Um, I know it's slightly off topic, Mick, and I apologise, but just want to just touch on with Charles and literally dead quick because I didn't give him enough credit in that the first um, paragraph. I just want to say, when people start doubting with Charles in, in regards to his performances and commitment to Everton and different clubs start looking in at Everton, watching us, and go, I get it all the time with Charleston's bang average. On his day, that guy is well-class and he frustrates the life out of me because I know he's got it in him. He is absolutely brilliant on his day and he can play up front for anyone or play on the wing for anyone in the world, I think, because when he's on form, he's unbelievable. And last night, Arsenal could not cope with him. And I apologise, I've gone off topic, Mick. I do it a lot, but um, I just wanted to get that in there before um, we moved on to the next topic. <laughs> no, he was he was absolutely brilliant. And, and another player... Matt, that had a huge impact on the game, was Andre Gomez. He came on for Andros Townsend in the 66th minute. Come back from injury, it was a brilliant cameo from him, wasn't it? Listen, I don't think Andre Gomez's Everton career has gone exactly how we all thought it would. Um, probably if you asked him how his career has gone, he'd probably say he's probably not lived up to the, to the early hype. But in flash. There's a lot of quality there and I think he's probably best when he comes off the bench, weirdly enough. I think I think we've probably seen his best moments in an Everton shirt when he comes on and, and influences games. Um, I remember Wolves away last year, he come on with 20 minutes ago and, and ended up giving Michael Keane the goal for the winner. He's just got that little bit of quality um, that we don't have in, in that midfield. He, it's... Sometimes you don't, you might not like certain players, but what they do bring is a different profile. And profiles are so important in a squad game because you don't want all the players to be the same type of profile. And unfortunately, Everton probably are quite overloaded with a certain type of midfield player in there that there's sometimes a lot of endeavour, but very little quality, certainly on the technical side of things. And what he's able to do is he's able to pick the ball up and keep the ball in tight areas. 
And sometimes that's so important. And when you can keep it in tight areas and you can give and go and you can just play play off other people, it settles everybody down. And, and that's what happened when he come on. And like I said before, we were able to start recycling the ball and that both gets the crowd going, but also means that the team can push up slightly further up the pitch. And, and in reality, aside from a couple of really good chances for Arsenal, obviously when we were pushing for the winner, they they couldn't really get out of their half. With you know, certainly in the last thirty minutes of the game, I thought Everton. I thought that was a really positive last thirty minutes. Something that we have to build on. Um, and as a, as as you say, as I've said, Gomez was the trigger for that. And I think. You know, there's, if you believe the rumours of, of Rafa Benitez and the football club wanting a, a midfielder that can link midfield to attack in January, and, and I think that's right because what you see when Gomez comes on is he's probably the only one that can do that, and whether you can rely on Andre Gomez is is another question. But no doubt that his sort of arri- arrival just before the Christmas period will be a, a really big, big boost for Everton and Rafa Benitez because, as I say, prof, the profile of the player is just something we don't have in the in the rest of the squad. And if we can keep him fit and use him in the right in the right places, then he can be a, a really vital asset for us. Um, and hopefully, you know, he can be the catalyst in certain games if we're struggling to, you know, to get us forward and, and get us some more goals. Lee, Rafa was struggling to get a tune out of this Everton team, struggling to get a win, couldn't buy a win. Sometimes seasons are defined on a moment of magic or a big tackle or a controversial referee's decision. Do you think this Damari wonder goal could change our fortunes? <laughs> well, we had a bit, a bit of all three of them last night, didn't we? Obviously, we've got the Ben Godfrey tackle that's gone viral. You know, it was very reminiscent of the Phil Neville one, wasn't it? Um, you know, and that got everyone up. I mean, the noise out on the back of that was like a, a goal had went in. It was absolutely unbelievable. Um, obviously, the circumstances leading, it, leading into the game may have had an impact. Who knows? Um, not for me to say. Um, and then we've got, yeah, the, I mean, the goal. And it's not just the fact that it was a 92nd minute goal. It's the nature of the goal. It's, a, it's an absolute world. It's a wonder strike. You know, and Damari Gray's fast turning himself into like a, a proper Everton cult hero. Uh, 1.5 million pounds, you know, and you look at, you know, City have paid 100 million for Jack Grealish, um, you know, the impact that he's had, absolutely brilliant, you know, and he's definitely looking to force his way into that England squad, I think, but it, it felt like a turning point, Mick, you're right, yeah, um, and with players now slowly trickling back from injury, obviously Ben has pointed out Yerry Mina there, and that is, you know, it is a big blow, there's no getting away from that, it is a big blow, because it is one game last night. It was a great result. It was a great night to be involved in, but it was, it was one game. And that result only really means something and can only be classed as a turning point if we go to Palace on Sunday and get a result of sorts and talking a point or three points. Um, now, we're, we're fully capable of doing that. It's a shame that it still seems like Calvert-Lewin is a, a couple of weeks away uh, because you know the difference that he makes to this side can't be underestimated. You know, it would be brilliant to get him back up there as a focal point with Richarlison and Gray off him. That's the front three that we want to see, ideally. But, like again, like Ben said before, I thought Michael Keane was really, really good last night. So, if Mina is going to be out again for a sustained period of time, 
Michael Keane's got to look at himself and say, okay, he has let himself down on occasions this season. He's not been great at all. But last night he's shown that he, he, he can put performances in. He was a bit of a warrior last night and he, he was absolutely first class, if I'm honest. Thought his distribution, his long distribution, his long passes were, were, were really on point as well. So he's going to need that. That's the bar, mate. You know, that you have to stick to that now. You know, they're your levels as a professional. Stick to those levels because Everton need Michael Keane. They need the rest to keep that up uh, because it's a very, very demanding division. Crystal Palace on Sunday, another really, really difficult opponent on the day. You know, a match for anybody. Um, you know, we're going to need to go in with the same application, the same mindset and go, be on the front foot and try and win that game because we've got the players to do it. Um, but there's definitely more reason for optimism now and more reason to believe that you're right, Mick, that that could be a turning point. So, I mean, we're, obviously we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but I think we'll find a lot more out on Sunday. I've got a feeling that that is going to inject so much confidence and belief into the players going into Sunday. And I'm really confident we can get a result there as well. Ben, as much as it's brilliant to be talking about a, a huge three points, there's so many other things that we need to discuss tonight. And one of those is Luca Dean. Luca Dean was left out of the Everton lineup and squad entirely. Uh, and after the game and before the game, in an interview with Rafa Benitez, he almost said that he was fit, but unavailable. And by all accounts, it now seems like all rumours are now circulating that there's been a bit of a fallout between the French left back and the manager, you would like to think that fallout could be resolved very, very quickly. Although Godfrey did play well, we, we do need Luca Dean going forward, don't we? Yeah, um, I think on numerous occasions last night, you could see that Ben Godfrey, as, as good as he was defensively, I think he went on a marauding run in the first half and fell over when he got into the opposition box. So offensively, he's not the best, but he, he looked solid, Mick. And I'm gonna. I've said it all this season. I, I think Lucas Dean's been a bit poor for the past twelve months, um, maybe even longer. From the player we had in them first couple of seasons, he was creating and doing really, really well. He seems to have just stagnated. I know he had a bit of an injury on his ankle, and I don't know if that's affected him and affected his. He seems to have lost half a yard as well. I don't know. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> so maybe it, it could be a good spell away. I'm, I'm not too sure. But for one thing, for sure, he's a French left back and he's a French international. And he does have a lot of quality going forward. Now, is a bit of a, an issue defensively. We look at his stats, all his defensive stats are up this season as well. Um, so people can put that one to bed as well. But um, and if, it's not surprising that you see some articles floating about the Athletic, for example, ran a story about senior players not being happy with the style of play and the way we attack and go forward. And I'll bet my house on it that one of them players is Lucas Dean, which. It, it, it is what it is, but I, I don't really particularly like stuff coming out like that because just creates a bad atmosphere amongst the fans. Um, so, yeah, they need to sort it, sort it quick. I think one thing is, Mick, if if they don't sort it, um, I think they could potentially leave the club on on, a, on on the cheap. And that's not what we want. We we want players to be obviously to get a lot of revenue into this football club to pay, potentially get more players in. So I want them back in the team. I want them introduced. Would I change it for Crystal Palace? No, I don't think I would. I'd, I'd probably leave Ben Godfrey there because I, I think he's performed really well there over the past couple of seasons. He's, he's been far superior there as a left-back and a right-back than he has centre-half for me because he's still not the best for me, which is, he can, clearly he's got youth on his side and he can work on that side of the game. But Lucas Dean going forward, you can't question it because a few seasons ago, he was one of our most creative players. 
so it was a bit of a, it's a bit of a difficult one, Mick. That one for me. Um, I've said a few things people might not like. Listen to the podcast. They might probably disagree with me, and they've got every right to because everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But that's my opinion on it. I, I don't want to see him completely bombed from the squad. I don't want to see him sold. But they've got to sort out the differences quick because it can't be good for morale. Can't be good for the training ground. Can't be good for the other players. And it's not good for the fans. Obviously, hearing rumours and uncertainties, and we know how bad Everton is for stuff getting out and. You'd probably say 95% of these Twitter rumours are pretty bang on, to be fair. It seems to be the first place it comes out. <laughs> and a couple of days later, a news article will uh, will run with it. But yeah, he needs to be back on the side, needs to be back playing. Lee, moving away from the game and on the pitch, which was obviously a fantastic win. The 27-minute campaign amongst a, a proportion of the Everton fans, 27 minutes for 27 years, what were your thoughts on that? I know it was much anticipated as it got to the 20th minute. People were starting to clock watch and think how many people are going to get up here. It looked like a few fans got up and went down into the concourse. Some apparently left Goodison Park. Some stayed down in the concourse for a few minutes or some even stayed down there until half time. There was a few boos as well, a few singing from the Everton fans to almost say, you know, we're going to be staying in our seats and we're going to be back in the players I know it's a really, really difficult subject for a lot of Evertonians and it's there's no right or wrong here. Did you think it had a negative effect on the actual players or did you think it had a positive effect on the players because then the atmosphere then kind of started to rise a little bit as the as a proportion of the Everton fans left their seats? How did you feel that affected the game or if it did at all? Oh, yeah, it is a tough one and it's a tough one to talk about because it's obviously divided the fan base. That was never the intention, obviously. Um, obviously, I can I can only give my personal take on it as part of this podcast, you know, who have been involved um, in all of this leading up to the game you know, and the campaign. I think, first of all, the impact on the match last night, I, did, I don't think it had a negative impact at all. I think as it turned out, Obviously, those who didn't choose to get involved in the in the walkout on 27 minutes, you know, decided to to raise the roof, and and I, I predicted that was going to happen before the game, um, and I thought the players responded to that, you know, really, really well. Um, but there's a few things that you've just got to point out and remember. Firstly, we shouldn't be falling out over this, and I'd plead to any Evertonians listening to the, listening to this. You know, no matter what you think about the the means of of how we went about things, um, the intentions are good. And if people are doing things with the right intentions, that's the thing that I'd, I'd plead with Evertonians to try and recognise. No one's claiming to be, you know, a bigger Evertonian than the one sat next to them who doesn't choose to get up off the seat and walk downstairs. You know, everyone acknowledges that we're all massive Evertonians. Um, all that we've simply done. And not just us, obviously. There's been a lot of people involved in this, a lot of big fan groups and podcasts and uh, coach providers is try and use the platform that we have to try and influence things and affect a change. And, you know, I'm sorry if you don't agree with what happened last night, but, you know, it, it has done that. It has had the de- desired effect because people are talking about it. There's articles all over the place, not just last night, but leading up to uh, the game. And you've got, I had Talksport on earlier and, and John Parrott and Ali McCoy were talking about it for around half an hour. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's got out there and, and, and changes have started happening already. You know, I would be very, very surprised if the decision to 
relieve Marcel Brands of his duties or you know the mutual termination or whatever it was wasn't linked to all of this in some way because the club have heard you know the discontent. So listen, and also another point that brings me on to my next point. Um this is not a self-serving act or something done with the intention to try and draw more attention to this podcast. And I think I'm safe in talking on behalf of all of all of the other groups who have been involved and supported this as well. You know, I, nobody's done this to try and gain more followers or more listeners or anything like that. I think that's, you know, it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I don't think anyone needs to do that. I think it's just a case of it's massive Evertonians all trying to pull together to do something good because our club is in a mess. And, you know, for the last five or six years, we've been declining at an alarming rate despite, you know, significant financial backing. Um, and we're all very, very worried as to where the club's going and where we're headed next. Now, obviously, last night takes a lot of pressure off, but the bigger picture is, you know, there are still a lot of things wrong with this football club and a lot of things need to change. Um, so I'm very proud, you know, of, of the involvement that we've had on this podcast of, of the all of the other uh, people, all the other great Evertonians that have been involved. And I also fully respect those who didn't want to get involved last night and who wanted to stay in the seat and, and cheer the team. Absolutely fine. That's your decision. And I respect your decision and your right not to get involved. And all that I'd ask is that you respect our right to do what we want to do. Um, you know, don't don't make accusations that you know we 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 don't support the team, we don't back the team. The people that have that have been involved in this back our team home and away, week in week out. You know, I, I've only just got my voice back. You know, we, we we're all massive Evertonians, so that that's the sort of dig that I think is a little bit below the belt, and that's the one that's sort of hard to ignore. Uh, I think that's a bit of a lazy accusation to throw towards anyone involved in this. Um, so listen, it's I don't think it's over. You know, there's a, there's a lot of high-profile people who've got behind it, and I think that's great. And with Everton Football Club and what's best for the club, we all love at the at the heart of everything that we're doing. So, I'm just glad that last night it was almost the perfect result. So, you know, there the, there was a protest. Okay, if I'm honest, if I'm completely honest, I'm not ashamed to to admit it. I think I expected more people to to get involved. You know, looking at Twitter leading up to uh, in the week leading up to the game. Um, you know, I thought, yeah, I think you're going to look at 10,000, maybe a quarter of the of the stadium walking downstairs. It didn't turn out that way. And I was like, oh, OK, you know, it's maybe a little bit less than I expected. But there were still people that did it. I walked down in the Gladys streets and there was plenty of people walking down there at the same time that I did. Um, there was some chance, you know, people were leaving the, leaving, uh, the exit gates as well. So I think people stuck to the guns. Uh, but then we all got back up, you know, after five minutes or so, you know, went right back up into those stands and got behind the team that we love and, and we've supported for, you know, many, many years. So, and then we went on to get the win and the fans were united and the atmosphere was absolutely brilliant and you can't ask for more than that. But listen, Evertonians are best when we're together. So you may not agree with the the, the format of it or whatever, but don't question the intention. Uh, that's all I'd say. Ben, I know you were quite vocal on on Twitter and you probably thought, you know what, I'm going to try and back some sort of movement or, or small campaign to try and get the, the football club to maybe communicate with the fans at the very, very least. This was obviously before Marcel Brandes' departure, which we'll come back to. 
How did you think the 27 minutes played out? Did you think it was, like Lee said, maybe not as many Evertonians got up as you expected or did it affect the game or did it even create a, a better atmosphere for you? Because you felt, you know what, like Lee just said, the fans almost felt united after the 27 minutes. Where did, where did you sit with this one? I go on about it quite a lot on this podcast, Mick. I, I'm a big believer and obviously um, I, I've got a, a winning mentality. I just want success for this football club and I want to win. I, I like to, I find it interesting, the facts and figures, the finances, the sums. And how good was that feeling last night? That was just three points. Imagine where we could be if we were run properly and actually got to somewhere where we could win, celebrate a trophy together, celebrate finals, celebrate coming high up in the league, finishing the top four. That's what I want. And that's what everyone involved in this campaign wants. They want better for this football club. Because I don't want to go too much into it because I've banged on about it quite a lot on Twitter. But where we are currently, the three points that we gained yesterday against Arsenal doesn't take away the fact that we're in a financial mess and that Mishiri has, in essence, run the football club into the ground. So... You can argue that when the 20s... There wasn't as many fans as I, I thought would potentially leave. I did get off, off my seat and I did go downstairs to the concourse till half-time. That was my opinion. But what I won't have, Mick, is I won't have people who've decided for this and then receive personal abuse in the process because that's not on. That's not the Everton way. Evertonians should stick together regardless of the opinions. I, I went turning around to people sitting down calling their names because they're well in their right. They, they really are well in their right and they can do what they want. They've paid the money. We've all paid the money to go and watch. And if you want to stay and watch the team, that's fine. If you want to leave and want better from the club, that's fine. If you left the ground, we completely back you. If you came back to your seat, we completely back you. Because that was the message we wanted to achieve. And people were saying, oh, not many people got up. Not many people got up. And there was only about, there wasn't a lot at all. That wasn't the point. The point, which I think has been a success, is as Lee's quite rightly touched on, this has now gone to the mainstream media. Sky Sports News had it on all day. Granada Report reporting on it. Simon Jordan's had a dig on Talk Sports. The, the Monday Night Football pre-match analysis was looking at Mashiri, looking at the spending and looking how badly we were run. I think Jamie Carragher went on to say of how much we, we, we were run like a circus again and that it's been a disgrace that we've got a businessman who's clearly very good at what he does business-wise in regards to his accountancy, etc. for Osmanoff. But he's not a footballing businessman. He's not, not, he doesn't know what football's about. And like Carragher was saying, he's spent millions, he's got involved, he's interfered. He has, he, he's, he's backed this club 100%, but he needs a complete restructure of this Everton board. And fingers crossed the movement continues. Um Maybe the, the fan groups can come together and talk about ways to integrate the fans, potentially. Do we look at other options? Do we put it out to the fans? Because I think a lot of the issues were, Mick, is we were in a bit of a, a mess in the league. So a lot of fans said, we need to get behind the players. We need to get behind the players. It's a really important game. But if we weren't in such a bad position, I'd be walking out too. Which, OK, fair enough. If that's your opinion, that's, you're completely entitled to. If you want to stay and get behind the players, that's fine. But I think the overall message Mick was achieved. I feel like everyone's talking about it, and it's been the talk of all social media platforms. And you look at what it's called. And I said we're going to go on to the Marcel Brands um, debate soon. He's he's left the club, and you looked at obviously Evan are looking to obviously conduct a, a strategic strategic review of the football structure as well um, in regards to how they work. So has this come about from the movement? I hope so. 
I really do hope that it's come about, but I will not tolerate anyone giving anyone abuse for having a, having a say because you're right to protest, you're right to have your say, it's freedom of speech. There's no way you should receive abuse for just for going with what you want because I want the best for this football club. I want to win and I want complete control from people at business, at board level, who are businessmen who are going to get us that because as I, as I will say and say again, success will always start at the top of football club and it will filter down to all and we will be successful. I'm adamant that we, we will become successful if Mashiri listens to the fans. Really have a think about the next moves going forward because we, we deserve better and I still think we deserve better. Three points doesn't change it for me. The performance was brilliant, made up the three points, but there's still a lot of issues off the field, Mick, for me, which still needs to be spoken about at length. Matt, did, did you agree with the 27-minute campaign? Did you think it should have been done during the game or before the game or after the game? I think many Evertonians were unsure when it should happen or if it should happen at all. But if it was going to happen, at what point should the campaign begin? So before, after or during? I think that kind of split the fan base a little bit. How did you think this campaign should have been approached? Do you think it should have been before, after or during the game? You know what, Mick? I think the the whole the whole when and, and when we should have done it and when people should have gone out and should have been before should have been after, for me that is that's irrelevant. It's irrelevant because people need to look at the fact that we're actually or people are protesting in the first place. That's not a normal thing at a football club. This isn't a regular occurrence for football teams and football fans. Certainly not Everton fans. We shouldn't have to go to the game and, and have to think of ways and means to, to get the board's attention and so that the, our football club is run in the in the right and proper way, that fans are communicated with on a human basis. We shouldn't have to, you know, think of different ways and, and means to, to get their attention just for that. You know, it... I think Ben's point about the team being in a difficult spot, probably right. I think, you know, certainly as a fan, it was I was certainly very concerned last night before the game. If if we'd have lost that game, going in, you know, that's a we'd have been five points off 18th, and all the bottom three are on 10 points. So it's not like it's one team that are catching up; it's all three, um, and and you go into a, a really difficult two or three fixtures before Christmas and, the, you know, the club could be back where they were two years ago when Marco Silva left, where it took a little run from Duncan Ferguson to get us out of the, the relegation zone for, for Christmas Day. So I think that, that definitely definitely played a part. When, is there, you know, is there a right time to do it? I'm not sure there is, mate. I, I, I don't think there is a right time to do it. I think Whenever you do it, there's going to be people that are unhappy with the way you've done it, whether that's before, which has been done before, during or, or after. Um, I think my personal view would probably be after, but again, it's so difficult after last night. When everyone was just so happy. The level of euphoria throughout Goodison Park after last night's victory, just because of the, you know, the last time, I've seen a, a great tweet earlier in the week, you know, the last time Everton won, people had their shorts on and and, and we all had our Christmas trees up for this one. So it, it's been a, it's been a long old period. Um, but as I say, I want to reiterate the point 
the fact that we're even discussing when the protest should have taken place should make the people at the top of the football club stand up and realise that something needs to be done to help us improve long term. Um, because they need to realise that this isn't, I don't think this is a minority and this isn't going to go away. You know, people are adamant now that, that things have to change. So if they think a, a, a victory versus Arsenal is going to remove all the bad things from the club, it's not because people aren't going away. I think it's time for the club to come out and start communicating with us um, with a plan to try and get, get us out of the mess. Ben, Marcel Brands leaving the football club has maybe asked more questions than give us answers. He obviously left the football club. It broke on like Saturday evening, late Saturday night sort of thing regarding a, a meeting that had taken place amongst the Everton board on the Friday night and a few, you know, uh, home truths were spoken about amongst the board. And Marcel Brands actually came out and said that his vision for the football club didn't align with the rest of the football club. And that's a very serious statement there by a, a highly professional guy in Marcel Brands. And like I say, has it now gave the fans more questions than answers? Yeah, and it, it, it's been clear to see over the course of Marcel Brands' tenure that there has been too many people involved and obviously Everton's recruitment and Everton's business strategy, Everton's football model. Because when Brands came to the football club, he came with a he wanted to implement a philosophy of buying young players, buying players with potential resale value, trying to get some sort of model involved with Everton Football Club, but they just backfired massively. And Mashiri obviously had his say with obviously the Alex Awobi deals and other transfers, which obviously has been leaked all through the Liverpool Echo this week, which is clear for everyone to see. It just shows that the mess the board level are in. But for me, did he have, did he have to go? He probably did. Um, for me, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Really, do, do we now go to another director of football? Do we then, or do we look at Rafael Benitez taking control of transfers? With that side of it, does worry me. But when we appointed Rafael Benitez, I think we discussed it on the podcast. He's never ever really worked well with directors of football. The same's happened at Liverpool. The same's happened at Valencia, Newcastle. It, it just didn't go well at all. But in regards to brands, he either did he have an influence at board level? I think he probably did have to some say. And if that's the case, then he was obviously contributing to the bad decisions. Now, I understand that he didn't make all the decisions, but he obviously didn't stand up enough to say, no, we're not doing that or I'm resigning. Which brings me on to my next point. He obviously signed a three-year three, a, a three deal on £2 million a year last April. Now, was he? If he knew how bad it was with Mashiri, if he knew that Mashiri was going behind his back, rubbing shoulders with super agents and speaking to Raiola and Keir Apton and Hog Mendes and other agents across the football and planet doing deals behind his back and just spending on like the Ben Godfrey deal when there wasn't money available, why has he signed that three-year deal last April? If he could have just clearly left at that point and just walked out, but instead. He potentially took that £2 million a year and just became a yes man. So for me, them two reasons are probably worth sackable for me. And But it wasn't the one I wanted to see straight away. Um, obviously, you've got other issues. Denise Barrett-Baxendale, Bill Kenwright, for example. There's other members of the board that potentially would have come first for me. Um, 
But no, it, it, it's a change. It's implemented. Marcel Brands probably just had enough and got off, and I respect him for that. Um, he potentially went into that board meeting on Friday with some ideas, what he wanted. Did he want Benitez in charge? I don't think he did personally. I think he wanted Benitez gone on Friday, and as soon as Mashiri gave Benitez his full backing, I think that was enough for enough for Marcel Brands and the direction that he wants to go was completely gone. And he realised that it just wasn't going to go away and he's left, um, agreed to severance package and left the club. So it was shocking news. It was. It was um, out completely out of the blue. We all we all knew there was a bit um, a board meeting on Friday. We knew Mashiri was flying in for that for that board meeting. And again, I wonder where he, he was um, yesterday, Mashiri. It was well documented that he was supposed to be there at that game. Um but he didn't turn up. So that's my take on Marcel Brands, Mick. It's one of them. It's, he came with so much promise, but unfortunately he's left us in it. Not so good of position. So we say in regards to the players brought in, not saying it's all his fault, but he's definitely a contributor somewhere. Lee, are you, are you glad that Marcel Brands has now left the club and there's a, at least a small change amongst the Everton hierarchy? Or did you have the feeling that, you know what, probably out of the four Guys or, or ladies, so Marcel Brands, Fahad Mashiri, Bill Cameron and Denise Barrett-Baxter. Now, out of the four, Marcel was maybe the the least likely or the least needed to be removed from Everton Football Club. How did you feel about it? And are you disappointed or, like I said, are you happy that there is some sort of change for now? I'm happy that there's some sort of change because something had to happen. Uh, obviously, it's never nice that somebody lose the job, but I think the fact remains that there's a bit of confusion for me you know, because I don't know how disappointed to feel because I don't know the input that Marcel Brands has. And that's the whole problem. Well, it's not the whole problem, but it's a big part of the problem. You know, there's no easily identifiable structure. No one knows who does what at the club. I couldn't tell you just how much influence Marcel Brands has had or exactly what his remit was in the years that he's been at the, at the football club. So as a result, I don't know how disappointed to feel that he's left. All I do know is that he's been part of a bigger picture and part of a collective that have failed miserably. Um, so it wasn't a surprise at all that he's left. Absolutely agree with Ben that he probably wouldn't have been the first one that I would have chosen to leave. Um, and I think others need to follow. I don't think it, it, it can't, it simply can't stop here. Um, but if I'm honest, I've never really backed or understood the role of a director of football Anyway, uh, maybe call me old-fashioned, if you will, but I think it's give the manager all the decision. So if you're gonna if you're gonna hire a manager, he needs to be just that. He needs to manage all aspects of the football club, the playing side of the football club, and that includes who comes in. Um, because I think there can be a case of too many cooks spoil the broth, too many ideas, too many opinions. It's going to cause division, uncertainty, and inconsistency with recruitment. And I think that's what we've seen in the last few years. So although you can't say with confidence that Benitez's transfer record is 100% A-OK, um, you've got to back him and you've got to put your trust that you know he's the manager of the team. You've got to let him formulate his own squad. Um, so yeah, he's gone. I'm not going to miss him because I hope, I hope, in years to come, we'll look back and he's going to be one of the people that we look back and associate with the dark days, you know, the, the bad days uh, that we've all had to suffer and endure recently. You know, when when hopefully 
we're in the midst of the better times and like Ben said, success, because I'm desperate for it as well. And I, I'm de- when I say desperate, there's not a word in the dictionary that could do justice to just how much I'm craving watching Everton lift a trophy at Wembley. I know I'd do anything to be down there with all you lads, you know, my family, whatever, celebrating that. That's what it's all about. And if this is the first step towards achieving that, then sorry, Marcel. You know, I'm sure you I'm sure you've earned a tidy sum. Um, you know, but I'm not gonna lose any sleep, put it that way. And interested in and Matt, what are your thoughts on this whole Marcel Brand situation? For me, this is a watershed moment for our football club in terms of at this point the football club has to wake up and ask itself, is it creating an environment in which people can be successful? We're on our sixth manager. We're going to be on our third director of football. And I agree to the boys on brands that I'm not sure he was the right candidate. But give him the platform to be successful. Create the environment that allows the director of football to do his job. You know, this is simple as that. And Farhad Mashiri has to stop interfering with football in decisions. Otherwise, Everton will not be successful. And I have to say, I, I disagree with Leah on the, the director of football point. I think a director of football is absolutely crucial in modern football. I think there is a ceiling, glass ceiling on managers controlling the football operations. Um, David Moyes was an example of that. That it can, For me, it only takes you so far. All the elite football clubs have a director of football. They, had, they have a head of recruitment. And they allow them to control all the football and operations. Yes, the manager has his say, and that's an important part of the jigsaw. But the, re- the manager and the director of football already get on because the director of football is the one that picks the manager. And it's simple as that. And reports of Rafa Benitez getting the control of the recruitment, for me, is that's not good for Everton Football Club. Rafa Benitez potentially is here for the short term. You know, he's, he's, he's potentially last night, he was one game away from losing his job. Uh, he's always going to be under pressure at Everton due to his past links. If he is here, he won't, for me, he won't be here longer than two years. And this is a position that needs long-term strategy. And if Benitez brings his own staff in, which I'm sure he will now, now he's got control, that's fine. But in two years' time, when Rafa Benitez leaves, those staff will move along with him and Everton will be in a position where they're out of, without a manager and a director of football. So the simple point is that Everton now need to go away, get the process right, bring in a, bring a director of football, allow him to do his job and allow him to pick the, pick the players and the next manager for me. Because otherwise, we're just going to be with a manager controlling a recruitment policy, which is only going to be short term because he's only going to be looking after himself. And there we have it. Three points and much needed three points for the boys in blue. In the meantime, we will be back with all the pre-match talk and match analysis of Everton's trip to Crystal Palace, which is on Sunday. In the meantime, have a great week. Stay safe, take care and up the toffees. Thank you very much. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.